This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. good this is a weird season very strange i'm not i'm not sure how to how to glean anything from any of these games although there's quite a bit from this game but for a team thing what what the hell does what the hell are you supposed to take away from this raptors team kyle Lowry's out fred van bleed is out pascal siakam is out and they just absolutely body this cavaliers team and the thing is the raptors They're losing games they should be winning. They're winning games they should be losing. And with all of that happening, losing more games. Because they're a good team, so they should be winning more games. So they're losing more games. And when we think about, oh, they're a bad team, then we think about how often they should be losing. And I guess they start winning? I don't know how the calculus works out, but it confuses me to some degree. The Raptors, they win. They absolutely bludgeon, smash the Cleveland Cavaliers, 135 to 115. Highlights, uh, Gary Trent Jr. scored 44 points on 17 of 19 shooting from the floor. That's right, 17 of 19. Maybe poetically, Shakespearean-esque, he uh, scored one more point than Norm Powell ever scored in a Raptors jersey. Malachi Flynn, 20 points. 11 assists, really, really impressive. Yuta Watanabe, maybe his best offensive game as a pro. Freddie Gillespie set three screens on three different players in a span of like 2.2 seconds. Big shout out to Pack Attack, well, or Eric Flynn Fan Club, although I'm not sure how popular that name is on Twitter now, but you can find him at P-A-K-H-A-T-T-A-K. And so he was just addressing that. Holy, Holy smokes. Freddie Gillespie helping at the nail, getting back, getting a deflection, securing the ball. He was pretty good defensively. He flashed a lot of stuff, 23 years old. And you look at Chris Boucher, for example, who came into the... Look at the the way in which he came to the Raptors. And he was much older than Freddie Gillespie. And while he has you know significant physical gifts that Gillespie doesn't have to that degree, it's uh, the Raptors... You take flyers on guys from the G League who had success there, like Gillespie, like Boucher, Van Vliet, whoever else, right? And you see what happens at the big leagues. And Gillespie, I think, with a, a very, very good 
opening game. So yeah, he he highlighted just the help of the nail thing, which I thought was a great play as well. And then obviously getting the deflection, getting back into the play defensively, just motion without giving up anything and the ability to recover on defense is incredibly valuable. Ask Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, who even if they weren't that good offensively, they would be very, very valuable because, you know, they motion without giving up too much and covering a lot is a, uh, is a very big deal. So yeah, the Raptors basically just weren't missing shots early on. I think they made their first like 11 or 12 shots, maybe even 13. And the Cavs, this was a problem for them defensively. They're missing Jared Allen. They started Kevin Love. And usually you have to run like clever action or have just these unstoppable players on ball to make simple actions work. Like a pick and roll with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, let's say you inverted and Pascal's on ball. Fred is a good screener for a guard. Pascal has great numbers in the pick and roll. Your points per possession will probably be decent, and you could expect to score in that situation. It's a simple play, but Pascal and Fred are talented. There's a lot of different avenues that come from playing that. You get a lot of advantages. The Raptors running like a pin down for DeAndre Bembry should not net them two points per possession, although it did in the first quarter. The Cavs just opening up seams for whoever wanted to waltz in there straight to the rim. And then on top of that, the Raptors were hitting from downtown as well. So buoyed early by simplistic actions that granted their players lanes straight to the bucket that the Cavs apparently had no want to guard. They, they didn't care for some reason, for whatever reason. And then once Gary Trent Jr. started to establish like, wow, this guy is shooting the hell out of the ball. The Raptors just started running flare screens for him as like a precursor to any action they would run on the floor. And they also decided like, hmm, maybe we won't guard those very intensely either. So you have this incredible shooter who's coming open consistently and all the time. And you have these wide open lanes at the rim that you're allowing. And you look at yourself and say, how did we allow 87 points in the first half? Well, that's pretty much how. Not to mention, it started piling on because Malachi Flynn, his ability to manipulate that defense that was a little more help conscious than maybe it needed to be because would you rather Malachi Flynn a push shot or a wide open corner three? Me, personally, I like Malachi, but I want the push shot. And Malachi getting downhill realized that they were a little bit more help conscious and he had enough spice, I would say, because if he he drew a couple switches and absolutely obliterated the bigs who stepped out on him, if it was Dean Wade, who's not really a big, but he and I thought he had a good defensive game, Dean Wade, that is, but he, he couldn't hang with Malachi in an isolation. And Kevin Love, for example, Malachi with that hand hover over the ball, like it's going to be a pickup, his hesitation, his in and out dribble. Really, really sharp stuff and ability to finish at the rim when there's help side coming over. And mind you, it's not great help side, but it's still help side. The Cavs felt like this guy in the middle of the court, there's some danger there. They're pinching in not just from the sides to allow the corner three, but the top. And sometimes just because of how he manipulates, this is something I talked about in the last podcast is Malachi manipulates the vertical and horizontal lanes on the floor. And so just the way that he's able to move with the ball in hand 
with a live dribble in the middle of the floor. He can manipulate which side of the defense is collapsing, and he can choose where to go with that. If he's coming in on the right side and he doesn't want to shoot that push shot, he can kind of float with with a live dribble over to the left side and see if those guys will collapse on him as well. So he's just eyeing the corners. And what's happening with that too is the guys up top above the break, they are crowding in on him from the top. So if he does make that pass out, those guys become the guy who's going to go back out to the corner. Then the Raptors player can swing the ball to above the break. Could be, after if the defense is scrambling, could be a wide open driving lane. If they don't really scramble and they're just late on a contest, it's an open three-point shot. And Malachi, the way he worked the middle of the floor in the pick and roll, not just with how he was able to find the roller or the, the popper, but how he continued to manipulate the rest of the defense. The 11 assists in this game, it's apt. He, he did a fantastic job playmaking. Bembry had a little bit of a playmaking bent as well, but typically in this game, he was just, they would run him, bring the ball up the floor, have Malachi run like a UCLA cut and come up the opposite side and then initiate offense from there after passing to him. And incredibly like they started running some and Evan Gualberto just put out a video where Zion Williamson is running like nail pick and rolls. And so the nail is basically the free throw line for lack of, well, lack of a better term. Free throw is probably a better term. Free throw line pick and rolls were really deep pick and rolls. Something I think Raptors Twitter Raptors fandom kind of laughed at when Rondé Hollis Jefferson ran one where Kyle Lowry set a screen below the free throw line last year, like, wow, this spacing is terrible. DeAndre Bembry actually had success on a couple free throw line nail pick and rolls in this game, either as a playmaker or as a scorer. And that is just, because here's the thing, the Pelicans run that because they have Zion Williamson, who I think is averaging like 36 points per game over the last 12 DeAndre Bembry is not Zion Williamson, for those who don't know. And yet, the Cavs were still allowing advantages to be had off of that play. So that is, to me, that's a little bit wild. It's very crazy. Uh, Defensively, defending as a unit, I thought it was pretty impressive in the first half. Um, Guys are on a string. And, you know, credit to the Cavs for coming back a little in the second half, but They just didn't play very well in the first half either. And so there's missed shots that are a little bit back-breaking. But Malachi Flynn, I thought, did a fantastic job at the point of attack and pinching in. OG Ananobi is still like a world-ending defender, right? And having Watanabe, Stanley Johnson, and Freddie Gillespie, all of whom I thought had really nice defensive games, especially Watanabe and Johnson at the NBA level, right, is having those guys plug in for quite a few minutes The defense was in good shape, and the Raptors, with the amount of scoring that they were doing, was off to the races. You had Gary Trent Jr., like not only Malachi Flynn playmaking, getting guys open shots to the rim more often than a lot of what we've seen with the Raptors, but supplemented with that was Gary Trent Jr. carrying the ball up the floor, taking a drag screen and just rising up in a pull-up three-pointer or coming off a pin down. He had pick-and-roll possessions, isolation three-pointers, basically the full bag was in play and he was reaching deep into it. And Gary Trent Jr., as far as shot making goes, this was one of the most impressive Raptors performances in recent memory. It's, it was unconscionable. So it's, he could catch the ball on the move, rise straight up. He could catch the ball on the move, 
get into a dribble combo, step back for a mid-range or a three-pointer. He could get all the way downhill with like a hesitation and gather, take his two steps and have a flip, like a scoop layup and one. And I mean, teams usually, and this is something I talked about with Fred Van Vliet when he scored his 54, teams will start to kind of edge you out of the offense if you're scoring like that, especially if a lot of them come on jump shots, they're going to try and counter you. Freddie got to the rim and Freddie hunted three-point shots. Gary Trent Jr. just started dipping, ducking, dodging, diving around in the mid-range and just hitting these incredibly difficult shots. A floater here, a step back mid-range there, and then just cold-cocked, like three-point pull-up in a guy's face. It was, yeah, the shot-making was pretty ridiculous. It's not something you see very often, 17 of 19. Maybe from a guy like Mitchell Robinson or DeAndre Jordan in his heyday. Just guys who are at the rim, dunking everything. And let's say there's a terrible pick-and-roll defense on the other side. Something like that. But in this game, where the Cavs are pressuring his dribble and the lock-in trail was not particularly effective early on, but I think was a lot more diligent later on in the game, his ability to shoot over contests and shake loose was... Man, it was pretty mind-numbing. I haven't seen shooting like that. It's... Almost 90%. 44 points on almost 90% shooting. It's it's mind-numbing. Yudo Watanabe, I thought, was awesome. His, the trigger on his three-pointer was a little bit quicker today. I think he's a better shooter than he gives himself credit for while on the floor for real games. I don't know what it looks like in practice, but he has a really solid, he has really solid mechanics. He can clearly let it fly, and I think he's a little bit too hesitant with his shot selection. Not to mention, he was getting on transition, was getting to the bucket as well. And defensively, he's always so solid with, you know, he's not only solid, but he can play make defensively as well. He had a steal. He had a nice drop-off pass. And so it's a really fun game from you to Watanabe. OG was effective early on. Had some, had my, maybe my favorite play of the game was uh, <laughs> he just kind of lost his dribble. And preemptively, because I think he assumed Darius Garland was going to jump his handle, he just kind of throat punched him or hit him in the face. And big shout out Hoop Goose, who's been on this podcast before, but he refers to OG Ananobi's style as like drunken fist, like Jackie Chan. And I, I refer to it as like Danny Brown, syncopated madness, that type of thing. Both are good. But when... OG lumbers up the court, like loses his handle, and then like whap hits a guy in the face. I have to admit at some point that maybe Drunken Fist is like the the peak of describing OG Ananobi's game because that was that was awesome to see. And especially when like he got kicked out the other day and he looked like he did it accidentally. When he just it looked like he forgot he was holding Dennis Shooter. Now I don't know if this is like some incredible, like truly, truly duplicitous behavior from OG Ananobi picking him up and not even making eye contact. Like just looked like he was picking up like a two by four and didn't even notice just, Oh, this thing's on my arm. Just let me carry it over to the other side of the court, something like that. But it was a human, a living person, Dennis Schroeder. And that mixed with the drunken fist, just, Oh no, is this guy going to come after the basketball? Whap in the face that he pulled on Darius Garland. Just, an incredibly entertaining player 
And he plugged in offensively next to the stylings of Flynn and Gary Trent Jr. Excellent. He did a he did a fantastic job in this game. So I was really happy with OG. Stanley Johnson had like a super funny sequence where he dribbled the ball off his foot in a pick and roll possession. Then he had like a blocked by James type of block on Colin Sexton. Then Sexton got the rebound, had it in the corner, and Stanley Johnson came from out of bounds, started guarding him, and then just decided at some point to grab the ball out of his hands. And so with the offensive ineptitude, but the significant defensive plays, it felt like a very, very apt Stanley Johnson type of uh, sequence. I talked about Freddie. Rodney Hood, you know, hit a couple shots. He's he's spotting up for threes in this game. Was doing his thing. A little bit of on-ball creation. Aaron Baines hit, hit a little banker. Did his thing. Uh, tried to be as big as he could on the inside. Boucher had four blocks. He hunts those things. He's got those long arms. Go, go, gadget. And uh, after his massive, huge 39 and 18 game, I uh, or 30, 38 and 19, sorry. Am I dyslexic? Am I just figuring this out now? I hope not. Surely. And actually, I hope this isn't offensive to anybody who's dyslexic. I apologize if, if I have offended. But yes, 38, 19. Uh, there wasn't a ton of carryover as far as like offensive firepower with what Boucher was doing. But, uh, you know, he plugged in in this game. He did his thing. The Reggie Evans Award, I'm giving it to Gary Trent Jr. Because I think that even though he didn't like rebound the hell out of the ball compared to other teams and what you generally think of as like a lot of rebounding, when you look at the Raptors, if you look up and down the box score, you'll see that he actually led the team in rebounds along with his 17 of 19 shooting. So I I can't give it to anybody else. He also threw a lob in this game coming downhill. He, He did a lot of great things. So Reggie Evans Award. Feels apt, like show the kids some love. Get, you know, here's a Reggie Evans award for you. I don't know if your play style lends itself to a lot of these. So let's give you one in the games where you actually end up leading the team in rebounding. The top quick reaction comment is from Peace Dog. Quote, okay, I'll be the first to admit it. Malachi Flynn's dad was right. End quote. Eric Flynn I uh, talked about him on maybe the last episode of the Reaction Podcast. He, he's he been clamoring. He hangs out on Facebook, like the Toronto Raptors Facebook page. And uh, I guess he has like somewhat cult status over there. It's even, I, I would say, translated over to Twitter because people aggregate. <laughs> people aggregate his posts. And uh, so Raptors Nation or Raptor Nation, I can't remember which one, has become a thing. But he has been clamoring for more minutes for his son as he should be. If I were ever doing anything, I hope my parents ride for me the way that Malachi Flynn's parents ride for him. Because you're supposed to want your kid to just completely go and dominate and get everything that the world can give him. So if I were Eric Flynn, I'd be like, start him next to Lowry or Van Vliet. One of them comes off the bench. That's my kid. So yeah, big shout out to Eric Flynn. Uh, Keep showing love to your son because that's what you're supposed to do. Good dad stuff, uh, even if people poke fun a little bit online. But they've come around and obviously evidenced by your post, Peace Dog, have started championing Eric Flynn, the legend. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.